You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Wasail al-Ilam al-Sadiqa. And alhamdulillah, once again, uh, joined by our very own member of parliament. Uh, he's an, uh, one of the best uh, political commentators and the leader of the NFP. Local and uh, world politics, Ahmed is uh, simply one of the best. Ahmed, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And uh, tell us, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening, Ahmed? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. MashaAllah, evening. No, we had some sad news, unfortunately. I think you're perhaps aware of it already. Our muazzin from the Westgate Masajid was, you know, caught on the crossfire with the cash in transit. And yes, I think the community is still reeling with shock at the untimely death of our brother. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him his place in Jannah, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah, Amin. And uh, you know, Ahmed, uh, everyone's uh, talking about it. Uh, there's a tug of war in the world. You know, it all was ushered in uh, through the Ukraine uh, debacle, where if you, you know, the U.S. said uh, you are with us or you're against us, and it so happened that the uh, U.S. thought it was a cakewalk with its allies, uh, actually destroying uh, German the German economy, making other European countries uh, dependent on. Uh, you know, on Putin's and the energy crisis came through because of this orchestration of uh, many would call it evil. And uh, perhaps many will tell you, Ahmad Mandur Sheikh Imam, that uh, the American strategy, uh, strategy has failed, but has uh, caused mayhem and a lot of suffering to many of mankind. How do you re- uh, respond to that, Ahmad? Well, yes, indeed. You know, uh, uh, there is the so what they call New World Order. And if you look at even some of the evidence that have just unfolded uh, with some research conducted by the Russian authorities with um, many others from all over the world, uh, even the issue of uh, COVID-19, and which, of course, we all suspected for a long period of time, uh, which they call propaganda news when you post it, is that even COVID-19 was manipulated, was unnatural, created to cause chaos and mayhem, but more importantly, to establish uh, uh, whether those that have been dominant for so long could still emerge and what measures they could put in place to maintain that control and power over the rest of the globe. And this created that opportunity for them. In fact, it, it, is, it was a test to see how they can bring the world to a standstill, how they can uh, uh, bring different countries and populations, bring their entire lives and put it on hold. So, yes, uh, that has not ended. The creation of the BRICS alternative now, which is gaining momentum, and you can see it's very successful thus far, with 22 somewhat countries wanting to join. Another 22 of them or so are showing an interest. Uh, You can expect a very volatile situation running up to uh, uh, this initiative because there's a serious threat on those, Germany, France, Sweden is one of them, the UK, the USA, all these countries who for a very long period of time have caused chaos and mayhem all over the world. So the economies, the fluctuation of the currencies, how they control it, whether indeed USA, which controls the dollar, 
has really got cash reserves to the value of their currency? Who, what mechanisms or processes are they in place to, to, to establish that or not? So it seems like that, uh, uh, of course, uh, there will be a completely new world order to the one that they were talking about. And I'm glad that some of the leaders um, uh, from different countries have uh, um, uh, uh, un- are starting to understand uh, 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 the oppression, the manipulation, uh, 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 the atrocities that have been committed directly and indirectly. Uh, you know, often some of these countries create the perception that they are in support. And uh, they fool our leaders. They are mastered the art of, you know, teaching our leaders how to divide and rule. And um, for that, you will find them bringing in a lot of investments. But we don't look at the number amount that goes back. When they bring in one billion, they'll take back a hundred billion. And uh, this has been the problem for far too long. But uh, we are hopeful. If you take South Africa. If you look at the center stage at this point in time, despite all the challenges we have in our country uh, and that we, the media is buzz every single day of corruption, looting, maladministration, high levels of crime, we still command a lot of respect in the international arena. So I think we must also give credit to our president in the way he has conducted himself thus far mm. to end uh, since the big summit has actually started. So, yes, indeed, I think under the circumstances, South Africa is high up there at the moment as one of those countries that have got a lot to offer. Uh, you know, I like your points there. And uh, one of the things uh, that you're reminding our listeners is, uh, number one, uh, don't get fooled uh, by the loans given by the IMF or these countries uh, that were former colonists of certain lands there. Uh, you know, they come in uh, with the pittance and they take away your raw material, they take everything, countries like Nisha, all, you know, suffering, and if they want to change, you can see uh, you've got other proxies uh, that are rubber stamps for these uh, former colonists that are, you know, against uh, liberation, that are against the uh, freedom of our uh, people. Uh, the point that you made of Cyril Ramaphosa, you know, when he was addressing uh, the BRICS uh, summit, and he once again re- reiterated uh, the South African position in relation to the expansion of BRICS, and he spoke about you know, calling on the economies to bind to African potentials. And, you know, Ramaphosa also he said at the official opening that the bloc is emerging as a powerful bloc and that, you know, people should bind to it. And yeah, you can see that uh, the amount of uh, interest that is uh, uh, being shown in BRICS, because uh, if you look at the BRICS nation, uh, Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China and South Africa, I mean, uh, this is a sizable population. It's more than what the Westerners have. Oh, if there's a war tomorrow, if there's a nuclear war, you notice that uh, BRICS has uh, China, it has Russia and uh, uh, India, I think. Uh, these are all nuclear powers. But there's a weak link there. And many will say, Ahmad Mandur Sheikh Imam, the weak link happens to be India. How would you respond to that? Well, you know, if I had it my way, and if there were no people living in America, these are innocent people. I will support President Putin and the North Korean leader to go up there and destroy the entire America because of the chaos and the mayhem and things they've caused all over the world and continue to do that. 
But remember, there are innocent people, they're good people, they're people, I mean, people are, it's the politicians that cause the havoc that we have all over in the country. It's not the people on the ground. Unfortunately, people on the ground are paying the price, even in America, even in the UK. If you read the, read the latest report, people are going hungry. Homelessness is rising. Uh, uh, rental is so high that people can't survive. People are taking to the streets. America, the infrastructure is collapsing. Uh, uh, you know, I had the opportunity of meeting an American woman on the flight the other day, and she tells me America is crumbling. So, yes, indeed, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not asleep. It's payback time for countries like the USA and the UK. These are the power blocks. Look at what, how difficult times they're going through in any event. But also very importantly is this, yes, you made an important point there as well. Uh, 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 on the money that comes in from these international monetary funds and things, and this is what, uh, how they operate. They 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 destroy your 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 country, and then they give you loans as if they're doing you a favor. People fall into the trap. Then you are in a debt trap. You know you you continue paying and paying and paying. Remember, the entire financial system is successful because there's debt. If there's no debt and no interest, financial system can't work. So their survival depends on that. You know, they take the blood out of the bone of the people. But what is very interesting in the BRICS uh, summit that's taking place, uh, and that stands out for me, is what our very own president had to say. Something we've been looking forward to hearing for a long time. If implemented, yes, Africa would be a much better place talking about Africa and its potential uh, and must exploit uh, uh, exports, particularly of finished goods and things. And that he talks about the, the wealth of the minerals, the wealth of the continent must belong to the people. That is exactly what it's supposed to be. Now it's in the handfuls of a few. And in, investigate that, interrogate it, go further, that very few are all linked to the West. Nowhere else. So he's made some very, very uh, 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 encouraging statements, and I do hope that we'd be able to to implement those things. My experience, particularly in the SADC region, is we just talk and talk and talk and implement and do nothing. But maybe this is, I think also, Brother Shafat, what must come of this is nations all over the world have been uh, under severe threat. In fact, a lot of them have been traumatized. The moment they hear the name USA and the West, uh, uh, they're on their nerves. They, because of the history of the conduct of the US and others in regime changes, interfering in the politics of other countries and things. But now that they are in association with a global player, a nuclear powerhouse like uh, Russia, and uh, you've, then you've got India there, you've got China there, you've got, I think what the kind of attract, uh, 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 countries and support uh, uh, that BRICS has uh, attracted is now beginning to give those that have always felt uncomfortable, uh, that were undermined, it's now giving them some courage to be able to stand up to be able to take their rightful place in society. And as such, more and more countries, if they join this BRICS initiative, and they will be quite a force to be reckoned with, it simply means 
They are doing it because they're standing united and they have big role powerhouses behind them. Because previously they did not have these powerhouses. And then if you attempted to take on like the USA and others, it's a matter of time you either assassinated or there's a regime change, your country is destroyed, you get into extreme debt, you know, and that kind of thing. So perhaps this, I think now, will be for the first time create a very formidable team that will not be in fear of the West because they can stand together and take them on. And I think that is why many countries are wanting to join uh, 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 BRICS because they, they've now come to understand that you've got to come out of this debt trap. You've got to come out of this relationship you have forced into with the West. Because if you did not toe the line with them, then it was a matter of time and you were out. So I think this is a very, very good thing if they could just, uh, you know, work together. I like a lot of what President Putin has been saying in the media recently. Uh, uh, and if he remains consistent, I think it augurs very well for this particular uh, uh, BRICS uh, institution. Uh, and, 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 and here it is, they're talking about their own currency, using their own uh, their development bank, uh, uh, lending monies and borrowings under your local currency, de-dollarizing. They have been stockpiling gold. India has been stockpiling. China has been stockpiling. Russia has been stockpiling. So it simply means uh, that if they de-dollarize, then I think you'll be able to see uh, for the first time in history, that the United States of America perhaps does not, is not even worth uh, 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 the, the, you know, the currency that they talk about, uh, the dollar, if they do not have the necessary gold reserves to be able to back that up. Now, nobody thus far were able to you know, establish that. This might be the first opportunity you get if you de-dollarize People are not going to be using the dollar anymore. And that is going to put the USA in the back foot. So I think it's a great thing. I think I think um, uh, I see a lot of hope. I see a lot of hope even for development. If you look at what is happening now, China has offered South Africa hundreds of millions of rands to, 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 to enhance our energy sector. Okay. And I'm told India is doing similarly. But let me tell you, uh, 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 the difference is that the countries that are in BRICS uh, uh, are there and clearly showing signs of wanting social upliftment of the people that are part and parcel of them. While as the West undermines the people, the West does not want to uplift you. In fact, it wants to always ensure that they have control over you. And that is the difference between the two. So I think this is a great thing. If there's any opportunity we have to uplift the quality of life of our people in the African continent, in the South, all over, I think this is the first time. You know, Ahmed, you make a point there where you said, uh, you know, uplifting the social or the economic value of uh, countries in Africa and so forth. But I've been thinking, you know, of South Africa. I mean, it has it all. It's uh, supposed to be one of the richest countries in on Earth. But uh, during the apartheid regime, I'm, we're just doing a uh, comparison here. I mean, ruled by a minority. But this country was king. How come, Ahmed? 
Well, let me, there's, there's two things here. First of all, let me not forget about the comment you made about India's participation in BRICS. Yes, yes indeed. Uh, and India is a kind of a powerhouse. But uh, what we are hoping is this, that if all the countries that have shown an interest, those that have applied and those that are showing an interest come on board. Uh, uh, remember, it's not difficult to bring India to size. In fact, I've always said we are our own greatest enemies. If you look at the so-called Muslim countries, the power that they have in bringing India to book, you understand, and they choose not to do that. So whether they will do that in if they joined BRICS, I'm not sure, you know. But but what is very, I think, encouraging is the statements that's been made by uh, 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 the President Putin. Uh, 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 you know, on, on the, uh, particularly on Islamic financing in his country. That is what he wants to introduce. He's talking about the uh, respect for other religions and burning desecration of the Quran, which is condemned. Uh, he's talking about wanting to uplift the people, uh, uh, the entire BRICS community, uh, social upliftment. It comes from him. You know, he's talking about the dependence of the U.S. and their domination of the currency, the fluctuation and how it affects high food prices and things in different countries. Uh, all this has created the, 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 the comment that you made earlier on about the loans from, the, uh, uh, from these institutions, uh, 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 which, uh, which creates a very big, large debt burden on countries, uh, which will, you know, they will, I mean, let me see if, 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 President Putin is talking about Islamic financing, and and he, we all know he's a powerhouse. The fact that he's not here, he's already felt by them, although he's participating virtually. So who says he may not in the future decide to to encourage them to take Islamic financing to the entire BRICS? Perhaps because he's already wanting it for his own country. So you know, so there is, I think, a lot of good things that 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 is coming uh, out. Now, on the issue of the minority, you know, you know, uh, 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 Sheffield, yes, you have a very good point there that it was a minority that were running. But remember, the minority were running in a very oppressive society. They ran to the extent that anything that was not white was inferior for them, so they paid very little or no attention. If you go to the Western Cape right now, you not entirely the same, but very similar, that, you know, you'll find that there's a lot of development and the quality of life is much better in the affluent areas, particularly in the so-called white areas and things, than you will have in the poor communities of the vulnerable. So investment in the vulnerable communities is very limited. One good thing is if you look at the cost of transport in the city of Cape Town, and, and people work far away from where they live, and you should be taking their work closer to where they live, you know, so they cut down on all those costs, cut down on time and things like that. So that doesn't really happen. You will only consider development to the, those, to the elite, to those you actually serve and those that vote for you. That is the unfortunate thing about it. But on the issue of minorities, if you take the Irish parliament at the moment, a minority government is in place in Ireland, but two reasons why it's successful. One is that politicians got nothing to do with appointments or employing anybody in the entire country. There's an independent body that does that, something that I have been repeatedly calling for separate politics from administration. On paper, it's supposed to be like that. In practice, it's not. And the second and most important thing is this. 
the, we're losing hundreds of billions of rands in South Africa because you're not getting value for money. You can see what the construction mafia are doing. But over and above that, the politicians are responsible for all these tenders and procurement. If you can take that away from politicians as, as well, then I can tell you that even minority governments can control because there's nothing there that's motivating anybody to go there other than to govern. But now it is at the power and control, but the power and control because it gives you access to, to the money, which is what you are looting. That is why South Africa created 17,500 black millionaires and multimillionaires through the BEE and this affirmative action. Everything has been abused and exploited. There's no doubt about it. And nothing has worked. It had good intentions. There's no doubt about that. But people took advantage of it. I mean, you'll be shocked, Brother Shepard. I was in a week with, with I met somebody and uh, in the aviation industry. And I can tell you in the first 15 minutes that this person was speaking to me, I was shocked. I was shocked, which you will hear about soon, about the corruption, particularly in certain sectors like the aviation industry. You'll be shocked. <clears throat> These things are running into hundreds of millions of rents. And then I immediately Googled, uh, you know, I went to my friend Google. And the moment I did that, I was able to establish exactly who this person is and what influence this person has in politics in the country. And that is why this person's getting so much of money and nothing to prove for it. Nothing has come out of it. It's just a waste of taxpayers' money. So if you take away procurement, you take away the appointment or, or, or employing of anybody from politicians and let them just conduct oversight, you won't have this problem. Right now, it is about the money that they all want access to. That is the problem. You know, Ahmed, uh, there's a lot of things uh, that you mentioned there that, uh, you know, I I'm still uh, stuck into this uh, apartheid thing here. I mean, uh, you looked at the uh, Rand dollar exchange, 78 cents uh, to the dollar. And then you heard uh, the Vit Crocodile, P.W. Botha, saying as soon as you give uh, liberation and you give uh, freedom to this, uh, uh, to the majority, and this and this and this that will happen to the country. There'll be tribalism. Uh, there'll be chaos. There'll be mayhem. The country will be run into, uh, you know, rack and ruins and all the infrastructure will go. And it seems as if uh, he was a prophet uh, of doom, but he said the right things. And uh, maybe, you know, many that uh, listen to him now and listen to his clip, they say, I mean, he knew something uh, that we didn't know, but he's been proven right. How do you respond to that, uh, Ahmad? Well, let me tell you, I won't say entirely proven right. And it is simply because it is people like himself together with Europe and the West that have created the situation in Africa and many other uh, uh, areas, uh, 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 you know, by undermining them, causing division, buying them off, uh, 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 putting them in seriously into debt, uh, bribing them, all these things, you know, was created by these people in any case. So they have created the kind of leaders uh, that we have today. They have put in these leaders, you understand, and influence these leaders to, to, to conduct themselves the way they are. So yes, indeed, there is no doubt about it, what he said is correct. But remember, even then, what happened in pre-1994 during the days of apartheid? Did they not work with some of these people, fund them, influence them, do everything, give them in their thinking, 
to assassinate and kill exactly what they did. They associated with other political parties, both some of them often did exactly the same. So that is why they expected that because they know how easily it is you are able to buy people off, mm. manipulate them, undermine them, make them feel second class citizens in their own country. They know these things. This is what they've been doing for centuries all over the world. So, so what you have, they can predict because they created it. So, so, so you know, uh, uh, until we move away, unless a, anybody that is not white can have more confidence in themselves, can understand that you are equal to anyone and everyone else, and don't feel inferior, okay, it will continue the way it is. So, uh, 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 yes, minority governments for me can work. Uh, will majorities, in, like in South Africa or anywhere in Africa, allow the minorities to run? Never. It's never going to happen. It's all about power and control. I mean, if you look at now, what is it all about? There's an obsession to remove the ANC at the moment. Not about trying to remove them because we can create and tell us what your plans are to create a better South Africa for the people. The obsession is, number one on your priority list is to remove the ANC. That is what they said. Now, my question is, why can't we all work together in the interest of the country? You can't, because you're after that power, that money that is there. Take away that, and I can tell you that all want to work together. That is what is happening in Ireland. So, the end result is this. I must admit that in politics today, and this is, I think, the difference, during the days of apartheid, they will perhaps appoint you based on your ability and capacity to deliver. Today, the requirement is you must be able to sing and dance. And if you can sing and dance well, of course, you're going to be in the forefront of leadership. That is the problem. So the criteria is really not that there was no corruption, plenty of corruption during the day. There was a lot of maladministration, too. But still, there were consequences. It was still better governed. So, so the only reason the DA appears to be showing signs that, of course, that they govern better is because, remember, they were they are two different parties that became one, the Nationalist Party and the Democratic Party. You understand? So, so that is where it also comes in from. But you can see even that has been deteriorating over the years as well. Uh, people are not picking up that because... We want to see what we want to see and hear what we want to hear. That's the difference. So, yes, indeed, I think we should not be looking for minority governments. We should not be looking for majority governments. We should be looking for a government of people that have the necessary integrity, capacity and ability to deliver. And the entire electoral system, while we boast to have one of the best electoral systems in the world through your proportional representation, I think we need to really look at it to the extent that you attract the right kind of people to the politics rather than what you're attracting now to the party system. Now you can get any Tom, Dick and Harry to come in and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, uh, participate and be your representative and lead your countries. And this is the problem. So, yes, indeed, I think, uh, and, and I think also emanating from, the, from this is the fact that we, to some extent, uh, 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 we, we must take responsibility for what is happening. We can't take a liberation movement who knew nothing about governance, who knew nothing about policies, who knew nothing about really how the people were living, 
they were liberated movements where half of them or more of them were out of the country in any case. And you took them and put them in the deep end. The deep end to the extent that now they must go and govern. And, and they went to govern with a lot of hatred that it's all ours. This is ours, our country, our money, our everything. And then wanted to leave out those people that could perhaps have still contributed positively to this economy. They did not do that. Right up to now, people believe we're now entitled to it. Because the white man had it before now. Well, how we haven't lost Ahmad Mansur Sheikh Imam. They seem as if uh, yeah, he's uh, disappeared off the radar. But uh, uh, yes, uh, Ahmad, uh, fading I mean, in and out. Gee, Ahmed, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the points uh, that you have made is, uh, you know, very relevant indeed. Uh, but then I'm taking you back uh, during uh, the apartheid regime. I mean, you look at the uh, British and the Boer. They never saw eye to eye. You know, they call them uh, Roy Necker and so forth. And then uh, you look at, uh, uh, I'm talking about the, the, my, uh, that time in the minority, you know, the majority rule. Then you find a tribalism so rife in uh, this uh, government where you find the Zulu, the Soto, the Kosa and uh, the Indibela and all, all these uh, different uh, tribes in this country not uh, seeing eye to eye, uh, KZN uh, being a majority Zulu-speaking uh, province uh, actually rules the roost when it comes to South African politics. If uh, KZN is has uh, got a coal, uh, the entire country gets a uh, influenza and so forth. Uh, and, and then uh, you also look at uh, the Indian politics where you have uh, the Brahmin, the Harijan, the Dalits and all. Racism very rife there, tribalism rife around the world, the Scottish, the Welsh and uh, the Irish and uh, the English are not seeing eye to eye. Uh, it seems uh, throughout the world uh, we do have uh, this uh, different types of uh, racism playing through and uh, you know we'll come to the conclusion that the only solution to mankind is the implementation of Islam. And this is kept on, on the back burners. No one brings it to the fore. But these are issues that should be, you know, uh, uh, highlighted vociferously. And, uh, you know, we could use our Dharma tool. People like yourself uh, that are in at high levels of office. I mean, uh, to a little, uh, lesser extent, you do a lot of uh, work like that. But what about the other leaders? You know, there's big money spenders that will spend on soccer and inter entertainment. But what are they spending on the deen, on the message of la ilaha and equality and all that, uh, Ahmad? Well, you know, I, I, I want to say yes, indeed. I think, first of all, remember the colonizing which took place centuries ago. Uh, and all over the world, we've had this problem. Remember that even the religion of Christianity was not practiced by the majority of the black population and things. It was introduced by these colonizers in fact, uh, they use religion to be able to manipulate people and also to cause division amongst the different groups. Now, that is embedded in the minds of many, many people. And that has led, and it's continued for decades now, centuries. And you are correct in your observation. And I can assure you <laughs> with certainty that if not in 10 years' time, in 50 years' time, maybe we may not be around, of course, uh, that there will be a tribal war in South Africa. I can tell you. I can tell you now that if uh, former President Jacob Zuma was sent back to prison and if he did not get the remission that he got, there would have been another war and they will make it a tribal war. 
even though it's got nothing to tribe, it would have ended up to be a tribal war, I can tell you now. But uh, very importantly, you know, and I say this again and again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed the ummah with so much of wealth, natural resources, skills and everything that there should be no poor Muslim anywhere in the world, that we should be actually dominating because we have everybody. There it is. If President Putin is, can say, okay, that he wants to move to an Islamic banking system he wants to introduce, what does it actually tell you? That people are beginning to understand, but we are not exploiting that vacuum that exists. We're not taking advantage. You'll also find in this country, Brother Shafat, billions of rands is being spent. I repeat, billions of rands is being spent in charitable work, in devastation, disasters, and everything. But why also not concentrate? Why also not concentrate on trying and remember that in, 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 in Durban, particularly, and in KZN, many years ago, you used to always say that many people will say, I can't get help from nobody. I'm going to go to the church. They will give me help. The church will give me help. You understand? And people were being attracted to the church because of the assistance they were getting. Yet we've had everything, but we were not taking advantage. And yet, you know, <laughs> charity is, is, is compulsory for us. We mandated to be able to. To, to, to give charity. But and I'm not saying we're not. Our people are really doing a fantastic piece of work when even when there's disasters and whatever it is. But perhaps we should redirect ourselves when it comes to that now as well. Perhaps we should be, you know, give that creates an opportunity for you to engage with other kind of people so they can see really who the Ummah is, where we come from, what direction we have why we conduct ourselves in this way and why we should be conducting ourselves in, in certain manners and, 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 and encourage and entice these people to be able to come to the ideal way of life. Now, we tend not to, to pay too much of attention to that. And if we can do that into many of the rural areas and the different communities, I can tell you, if you look at the pace with which uh, Islam is growing all over the world. I mean, we now gone to 2.2 billion. Not long ago, we were 1.6. Okay. And you know the prediction by many leaders, including former leader Muammar Gaddafi. I can tell you that had he been alive today, uh, uh, Africa would have been different if he was able to achieve what he wanted for his people. And, and what he wanted for the Ummah as well. That is very important. So I think if we can exploit the situation and, 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 and that will encourage people because, you know, the, most of the increase in the population in the Ummah has not come because these people, Brother Shafat, have been following yours and my examples. No, they have been doing their own extensive research and things. Who would say that so many white women in the UK and things like that are, 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 are coming into the fold of Islam. And it's all because they are going and doing their own research. Into it. So we have everything. We need to just di divert our, redivert our attentions to these communities. Make every community go there, have our presence felt there, through our charitable work, through putting up a massage in Madrasa, whatever it is, 
educational forums and things like that. And people will tend to appreciate that. And they will then get an opportunity to, to be able to understand what Islam is all about right now. Remember with the way they were colonized. They, they created a barrier between Christianity and Islam. And politicians continue today to use that for their own advantage. Why? Exactly how you will have the likes of Malema using black uh, uh, support because he wants to divide, because you know there's a majority and hate speech among the others. The others, use the, uh, they're using religion exactly the same way. But yet we are emerging victorious because of what we have to offer. We just need to you know, increase that pace with which we can do that and encourage people. And I can tell you it will be a matter of time. A matter of time. Yeah, Ahmed, have, have we ever done the census to see what is the Muslim population in South Africa? You'll be mm. shocked. I can tell you, you'll be shocked. I was just with the Pakistani Association, South African Association the other day. They have 60,000 members alone who are now South African citizens. So can you imagine if we have to take that with all the other foreign countries with the Muslim population, the, the, in, in the entire, I can tell you now, we are quite a formidable force. We are. Yeah, but uh, you know, you make a point about those uh, associations that perhaps, you know, we can talk about a little later. But, you know, what caught my eye was the Indian Prime Minister, you know, we're talking about BRICS. The Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi refused to get off the aircraft at uh, Waterkloof Air Force Base because the South African government had only sent a cabinet minister to officially welcome him. And he, uh, and he also said this, uh, Mo, uh, Narendra Modi said, but Cyril Ramaphosa went to welcome C.G. Ping. Uh, then what happened here? Then they sent uh, Paul Mashatile to welcome uh, Modi. I mean, Modi really felt he, uh, he was snubbed uh, by uh, CR and that, uh, you know what, C.G. Ping was king. <laughs> How do you respond to that, Ahmad? Well, uh, <laughs> you see, this is all about power. It's how you feel who you are. But if you are a public servant, you don't, you won't, you won't feel anything. But uh, like I said, and I go back to what I say, we have a lot of politicians, very few, and a handful of statesmen and stateswomen. Uh, but also, I think the South African perspective, uh, in light of the fact he is a head of state, and of course, if they sent a cabinet minister, I'm not sure who they sent initially, but uh, uh, I don't really see anything wrong about that because remember, you have been receiving guests from all over the world. And uh, with your limited numbers, although we have a bloated cabinet, uh, you know, they would have obviously uh, uh, decided who is going to go where and whatever it is. So they would have appointed leaders. And... Um, but I also advised that uh, there was some reluctance because they wanted some assurance that it was safe and secure. And uh, they are very lucky that there hasn't been thus far much protest. It's a very difficult situation, even for us, for members of the Ummah, because the one thing is this, we don't want to, in, you know, this BRICS thing coming to South Africa, it's a big thing for us. It's put us on the highlight. We're on center stage at this point in time. And people already talk about our high levels of crime and things like that in the country. And now if we have to, you know, uh, if something serious has to happen, can you imagine how it will damage the reputation and image of the country? So you've got that. On, on, the, other, on the other hand, you have to balance it with the atrocities and human rights violations committed 
by Modi, who actually sits there in his parliament and listens when he's being criticized left, right and center by colleagues in the House. And uh, he thinks nothing of it. You know, I mean, I don't even know how he can sleep well, knowing that people criticize him and condemn him for what he's doing there. But strange enough, you know, it's not on the agenda. Nobody seems to want to, uh, at, uh, from the BRICS side, and I think they probably don't want to disturb the peace that they have there at this stage. Uh, but I think it's time that we need to, and I can assure you that when Parliament resumes, it's something that we're going to take up with the President, that now that they have this BRICS uh, and this relationship, you can't sit back and, you know, and talk about, human rights violation in one country and not in the other. Have you ever heard, Brother Shafford, even in South Africa, one politician, you know, that is standing up, forget about the Ummah, they, they regard as a threat because they can't be like the Ummah, okay? But their very own people, look at the way the Christian, 35 some churches have been destroyed in India. You understand? Did you ever hear any of these politicians who say they represent Christianity in South Africa doing anything about it? No. Because they're opportunistic. That is basically what it is about. They've, they've been uh, uh, um, uh, uh, colonized in the way to understand that only Islam is a threat to them, nobody else. So this is the problem that we have got. So I think Narendra Modi was also, from what I was given to understand, was concerned, wanted a reassurance mm. that, there, that there is, you know, he's going to be safe and secure. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I think in the end, uh, uh, Paul Mashatila saved the day, deputy president. So we probably might want to be the next president anyway. So tell him a few years later, but don't complain. We sent the president to meet you. Yeah, I mean, I got a very diplomatic answer there from you, Ahmed. And also, you know, in addition to to, to Xi Jinping being given the preferential treatment, uh, Ramaphosa honored him uh, with uh, the Order of South Africa, the country's highest official award. And uh, so uh, Xi Jinping, you know, he's the man. You can see he's he's, uh, very assured of himself that there's reassurance. So with the Putin uh, not there, uh, everything focuses around uh, Xi Jinping. And, uh, you know, then you talk about... You know, the different associations. So you were with the Pakistani Association of South Africa. You notice they have the Bangladeshi Association of South Africa, the Egyptian Association of Africa. I mean, you look in, in, in South Africa, these are different groups that have come in. Uh, they've found a market for themselves. And as you said, 60,000 members they have. But, uh, you know, maybe they focus and they highlight some of the positive things that they do. And they have the, uh, you know, different types of celebrations and they call uh, individuals uh, that they like. They call that to embrace it and celebrate it. But, uh, you know, do uh, you uh, when it comes to criminality, uh, these groups have uh, within the, uh, the, the, the membership. I don't know that maybe they have the, all the uh, businessmen together. But what about addressing criminality with them? Like, you know, recently we saw at the airport so many illegal uh, immigrants coming from uh, Pakistan, from Bangladesh and all the different parts of the world. How do we address these uh, uh, types of issues with these associations? And uh, you find many of the members from this association uh, getting into, uh, you know, the suburbs and living in areas, but uh, looking for position of power in, uh, the, uh, in different communities. How do you read them, uh, Ahmad? Well, first of all, yes, we must not forget that these communities contribute immensely to the economic growth of South Africa. And they've come here looking for economic opportunities because of limited opportunities where they come from. 
so, you know, we've had opportunities in South Africa for all 62 million people. There are people have got more opportunities today than they've ever had. The question is, do we really want to take advantage of the opportunities? Uh, that's that. That's the question we need to ask. But on the other hand, yes, there are different groups of foreign nationals coming into South Africa. You've got them from the African continent. Uh, 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 you've got Middle Eastern countries. You've got people from all over coming. On the issue of, of, of criminality, I'm not sure to what extent, uh, but I know that the Pakistani Association, I know that the Egyptian authorities, they have got a body here. Uh, the Bangladeshis have got, the Somalis have got, the Malawians have got. I know that they have these things. And even among some of the African, other African countries, they also have them. But uh, it's very difficult to be able to identify any community uh, with, you know, with, 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 with crime because it's difficult to, it's not easy to generalize. You have very hardworking, committed, dedicated professionals who come here for the right reasons. Like I said, for economic opportunities, they work hard, they put a lot of effort into it, they send their monies back home, plus they live their lives here, you know, so it's quite a sacrifice they are making. On the other hand, we have criminals that have come. Remember that South Africa is a very conducive environment for criminals to come here. Uh, Our criminal justice system is really a problem, but they've obviously seen lots and lots of gaps here and there. You know, it's like criminals in South Africa, if you're hot on their heels, they migrate to another area. So it's exactly the same thing with some foreign nationals that have either come here, uh, seeing the economic opportunities, but more important, the weakness in the criminal justice system. Well, we can conduct our business from there. And perhaps there's also international crimes that have been committed from coming and creating a base in South Africa. But um, I'm not to what extent these organizations uh, intervene in these levels of criminality amongst their own groups. Uh, and you have Pakistanis that are kidnapping Pakistanis for ransom. You have Bangladeshis doing exactly the same thing. We've hardly ever heard anything from the Indian continent of that nature, I can tell you now. Uh, you have Nigerians that are involved in high levels of crime. You have people from the DRC that are involved. Zimbabweans generally are very honest people, very educated, very articulate. So, but um, again, because of the porous borders, you also got criminals. There's nothing to steal in Zimbabwe now, so they have to come across the border. So these are just some of the things. And then, of course, again, it's the, the, the uh, South Africa and its market for drugs and illegal counterfeit goods and things that also attracts people to you. So, you know, you need a holistic approach to be able to deal with it. But I don't think particularly. Uh, 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 foreign nationals from the Egyptian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Indian continents. I don't believe that they are heavily involved in acts of criminality in South Africa now. Yeah, I'm uh, giving us a food for thought. And uh, then we think about uh, Uganda, you know, sanctions being imposed on uh, Uganda because of its anti-gay policy. And uh, here's it, uh, Uganda is telling the world, uh, you know, we are a Christian country, we follow the uh, rules of the Bible, and the Bible is anti this. And uh, there's it. So is the world, you know, or the Western world becoming a godless society, perhaps challenging their own belief system, Ahmad? 
They've always been godless, Brother Shafat. They just use religion to divide our people. That's what it is all about. You say you are Christian, but you're a man who wants to practice and promote his Christianity, his Bible. You are now wanting to oppose him and support sanctions against him. So then tell me what, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and I think, you know, this is, I think, very important to understand that, and I think if you go into the history of the colonization, you will then, one will then have a better understanding of why they introduced Christianity, because this majority of these black people, and I said this earlier on, were not into Christianity. They were more into their own traditions and cultures, and there's there are hundreds of them, different cultures and traditions and things that they followed. And, uh, but it is the influence, uh, on, on, you know, of these colonizers that have actually created that. Now, here it is. You came there, you colonized them, you put this into them, and the very same thing you asked them to practice, you understand, that you preach to them, they now want to practice it, and now you want to go and oppose them. So it means that, that it, everything has a, a, a timeline, you see. So the using religion was is coming to an end because despite using religion to co- colonize, Islam is still growing at, the, at a pace that nobody can even believe. So it's not working. Then you came up with abortions and all those things to cause more confusion because you'll be creating more division even amongst your own people. Now you've come to LGBTIQ because among the Ummah too, there's LGBTIQ communities. So you'll be causing more. They look for an opportunity and they know that each thing has got a time frame. And, they, and so they'll be introducing something new all the time to continuously cause chaos, chaos and mayhem. I can tell you if there's one country that is in the forefront of this LGBTIQ funding it and doing a whole lot is Sweden. Sweden. So I'm not surprised that when they attempt it and they want to you know, burn the, uh, the Quran in, in Sweden because they know it's completely opposed to, 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 the, to, to what Sweden's agenda is. So this is where we are. So I think... Uh, uh, let me tell you, Brother Shafford, when I was chairing the human social development in the SADC region, there were many other countries. If you take Tanzania, totally against it. And Tanzania was even giving a death sentence for, for, for HIV and AIDS if you're transmitting it and things like that. And, uh, and many other countries, if you take Swaziland, Swaziland was also very, very, uh, very much opposed to some of these things. So there are countries that in Africa, but unfortunately, Brother Shepherd, for them, that they have been small countries, very powerful countries, of course, they can be, they have resources, they have everything, but because they've been undermined by the West, particularly, and afraid, like I said earlier on, very afraid that if you don't toll the line, there'll be a regime change. That is the reason why many countries have lost their independence or objectivity, because on the one hand, they want to do what is right, but on the other hand, they have this fear that if you don't toe the line, your days are numbered. So I'm hoping that with all these countries, that with BRICS being such a formidable force, that they will have the courage and the strength to be able to stand up to the West and things, and then you can collectively put, uh, you know, come together and oppose these things. Previously, you could not oppose him. If you see what happened to Uganda. Now, Uganda just has to be part of BRICS and they can get the protection. 
Otherwise, these countries have got no... Imagine, you've got all the wealth, you've got everything in this continent. But you control nothing, and you could do nothing about it. And let me tell you, the, 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 these countries were by the West uh, 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 manipulated to some, such an extent that they can never come out of the levels of poverty, never, no matter what you do, never. Mm, good point they, there, indeed. They attempted with, this, with, 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 with HIV and AIDS, there's no doubt, they attempted there too to reduce this population. Yes, Ahmed, you know, and Islam is, uh, you know, will supersede all religions because it is haq and, uh, you know, it's also said uh, truth shall prevail and falsehood uh, perish. And you can see what's happening with, uh, with falsehood around us. It will perish. And at least here you look at uh, Vladimir Putin. He has a value. He, you know, he has a system and a better morality than uh, most of them that he's, uh, you know, he's so-called enemies. And uh, I think he said it so uh, brilliantly when he said, uh, you know, there's illegitimate sanctions uh, worsen the world economic problems. And these are he's absolutely right. Very illegitimate uh, sanctions, uh, which was orchestrated by you know these Bidens and the Hillary Clintons and the Obamas, and it was uh, a certain Mr. Donald Trump who put them back five or seven years uh, because when he came into power, this agenda of pandemic and pandemic and uh, you know bringing in the one world disorder uh, was what uh, 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 halted. Uh, Ahmed, your comments? Isn't that evident in the fact that today? Mm that Donald, Donald Trump is <laughs> languishing in the prison. They want him, they want <laughs> him, they're giving him, what was it, I think, uh, is that $2 million? The mm. bail. But be that as it may, yes, he didn't toe the line, he didn't toe the line, he's a victim. So as powerful as Donald Trump is, as wealthy as Donald Trump is, you can see exactly what is happening. So. That's what it simply means that, that, that if you don't toe the line with them, this is the ultimate price you're going to pay. And uh, any opportunity, a chance there was of him you know, serving another term is now gone. And that is what they are trying to do, everything to undermine him. Exactly the same thing with Imran Khan, everything to try and undermine him because of a certain agenda. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's very unfortunate that, uh, you know, uh, uh, countries, particularly like in Africa, uh, have been influenced to such a large extent that there's so much of work needs to be done. But let me tell you what, for me, is a stumbling block to an alternative to the West and to create a better... So there's only one stumbling block. You see, even President Putin, he is saying the right things that you want to hear. He seems to have direction. But the only thing we're not doing is identifying those with the same vision. Now, tomorrow, if something happens to Putin, his entire vision will die with him because he hasn't identified somebody that will follow in his footsteps and take over. And this is what happens with leaders. We become selfish or we fail or neglect to ensure that we create leaders of what we believe in so that they can continue believing and driving this agenda on. Can you imagine the likes of Putin being a no more? Okay, you can see what happened with Gaddafi. When Gaddafi went, the African dream went. Because Africa did not create an alternative Gaddafi. So that if they got rid of Gaddafi, somebody would have continued with his dream and his vision. 
Now that is what we are having. There are lots of like-minded people, but we need to bring them in, expose them to this uh, uh, this alternative, and 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 make sure that they have a footprint, so that if those that have to leave, because we have to leave someday, uh, you know, we've got somebody to continue in that path, and that's what we are not creating at the moment. Mm. You know, begs the question: Do we have another Ahmed Manzoor Sheikh Imam? <laughs> Inshallah, they are born in the age. Allah has blessed our nation. Remember, some of the greatest scientists came from the fold of Islam. You know, uh, uh, some of the largest uh, uh, conglomerates were from the Ummah. If you look at some of the greatest doctors in the world from the Ummah, some of the greatest educators came from the world. Some of the greatest politicians came from the Ummah. So we have got everything. Uh, uh, like the African continent always has everything but has got nothing. Our problem is we're not taking advantage of it. There it is, Muslim countries got all the power, all the wealth, got everything. And what? They're doing very little about the exploitation of our people in Palestine, and in, in India and other countries, they're doing nothing. They're not even intervening. They sit at the same table, you know, have dinner together and everything, but they will not even raise it. They won't even raise it. Yeah, Ahmed, you made a brilliant point. The scientists, Muslim scientists, uh, scientists Ibn Sina, Ibn al-Haytham, uh, Abu Bakr al-Razi, Ibn uh, Khaldun and so forth. I mean, we led and others followed. But Ahmad, you were absolutely, uh, mashallah, this evening, really enjoyed your company and uh, perhaps adding a lot of value for listenership also this uh, evening on Wasail al-Elam al-Sadiq, our truthful news. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening, Ahmad. Well, I, I think what is very important to note, South Africa is a beautiful country. And, and you can see the highlight, the spotlight is on South Africa at the moment. We are very well respected in the international area. And I think even the stance that we took in the Russia-Ukraine is giving us a lot of credit, particularly from BRICS countries and many others that want to join BRICS. So I think we have a lot to offer. What we're lacking is leadership in the country. So I want to urge all our brothers and sisters, you know amongst you who have got leadership qualities, you've got integrity, you've got everything, the why, wisdom, the guidance, everything is there. Please come and be part of the solution. You're not going to change South Africa. Remember, no matter what we have, no matter how much wealth we got, how many cars we're leaving, how many houses we're leaving, all that will be nothing if our future generations can't live in a safe, secure environment, they can't be progressive in this country. They can't be respected for who they are. And the country itself is not successful. You owe it, we owe it to our children, our grandchildren, the generations to come to create a platform that they will be able to value tomorrow and live comfortably with. So I want to urge you from the youth, our women now, let's come together. Let's create an alternative. And I'm not saying that we must remove the ANC. No, we must also be very careful what we say and what we do. If you look at the other opposition pact, just look at what it is made up of and who it is made of. They are all pro-West. Not one of them, they will support Palestine. I can assure you, not one of them. So we need to be careful about what South Africa can look like if we don't, we're not part and parcel. So let's come together. Let's identify leaders from all over the country, people with integrity, who 
can take this country forward. Let's work together and be part of the solution, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Ahmed. May Allah give you strength, the power to continue with the great work that you're doing and, uh, you know, really conscientizing not only the ummah but the whole world on the reality and truth. You have a blessed evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.